if you're an alcoholic, you're an alcoholic. You don't have to compete with anybody. And it is not a competition recovery. We're not in here to figure out who's doing it right or who's doing it best. You know, we're just trying to do it together out of that book. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you're all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12 step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride. Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Hello to all my German friends out there. That was the voice of Mr. Gary Kay that you heard again at the beginning of this episode. And you will be hearing so much more from him in just a moment. But first things first. First, this episode, right here, right now, is being brought to you by Michelle. You know what Michelle did? Well, she went to our website, SoberSpeak.com, clicked on that little PayPal tab, and she made a contribution. Thank you so much, Michelle. This episode is coming right out to you. And let me say this. I generally speaking never talk about amounts that people provide to uh, sober speak to kind of keep the virtual lights on. And I'm not going to say an exact amount, but I, here's what I want to say is what Michelle gave was a very unusual number. Uh, it was not a round number, you know, usually like I see. And so I did email her. I, I emailed her and said, you know, basically, thank you for the contribution. And then I said, can you explain that particular amount? What is the deal with that? It's an unusual uh, amount. And she said, well, it was the cost of a three liter box of wine on sale, of course. (laughs) So so that's where she got that amount (laughs) I thought that was absolutely hilarious. And uh, once again, thank you, Michelle. The reason I said hello at the beginning of this particular episode, uh, and that is German for hello, I believe. Well, I was in a German-speaking kind of mood. And by German-speaking, I mean one word that I threw out there. Uh, It's because I just got through doing an interview with somebody 
uh, somebody from Germany uh, that I'm going to, and it was, oh, it was absolutely fantastic. I got to get it, you know, edited and all the stuff that needs to be done to it, leveled out and uh, anyway, save the file, all all the stuff that needs to happen before it actually comes out to Ewan's. Uh, but anyway, I was just in that mood and uh, I can't wait to release that episode for Ewan's. Uh, I... John M. will be the chairperson for this meeting between meetings, and I am truly honored and privileged to serve all of you listening in. So take a seat, if you will. Well, unless you're jogging or something like that, but you get the idea. But take a seat and uh, around this virtual table and let's get started. I want to read to you a post that we had uh, in the Facebook group this week, and this one is from Hillary. And this one says, Gary Kay's episode, and that's the last episode she's talking about, the Gary Kay Live episode, the one right previous to this, she said, was so amazing. So many value bombs so much wisdom. I am going to listen to it again and take notes and definitely pass this one along. Thanks, everyone. And thanks, Gary Kay, for sharing and caring. Well, Hillary, guess what? You get to hear a few more value bombs from Mr. Gary Kay this week because he is back. And I'll explain that in just a second. Just in case you are not in the secret Facebook group and you would like to be, please send me your email to John. Actually, send me your email associated with your Facebook account to John, J-O-H-N, at SoberSpeak.com, and we will get you in. And one of the reasons I bring that up is because of the announcement I'm just about to uh, make right now, and that is within the group. Uh, Megan P, who has been on this, uh, on this um, uh, uh, episode on this podcast before, and she did an absolutely fantastic job. She uh, has posted in there a recovery yoga um, session, and this goes. It's on Sundays. Sunday afternoons from 4 to 5 p.m. Central, and all the Zoom information in there, including the ID and the passcode is in there. And what it is, in fact, let me just read this. She writes, Recovery Yoga is a half 12-step discussion meeting, half gentle yoga and meditation practice. No prior experience is necessary Everyone is welcome. Have a yoga mat or a space where you can sit and stretch out Comfortable clothing is recommended. Notice that she did say clothing is recommended. We don't, you know, want to, well, you know where I'm going. Anyway, uh, if you want to come in there, I've been in there. I've, I've joined a couple of the session. I think she's been doing it for like a month now and is absolutely fantastic. I'm sure she would love to have you. I'd love to see you guys if you come in there for that. But once again, it's all posted in the secret Facebook group. Just look for when you get in there, recovery yoga. All right. This is another episode by Gary Kay. And this one is a follow up to last week's episode. There are going to be more value bombs in here. I am most certain of it. This is the 
question and answer piece to as a follow-up to the live session that we did with Gary last week. And so what do I mean by that? After about 45 minutes or so so of him sharing his story and me asking him questions and interrupting him with things every once in a while, well, we went ahead and opened up the Zoom meeting to the various uh, participants that were on the Zoom meeting and let them ask questions. Now, we let them ask it via chat just to kind of keep a little bit of control about it. And what they would do is they would release the chat or they would submit the question via chat and I would take the question and read it back to Gary and he would answer it. And I know that you are going to love this. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I do present to you Mr. Gary K. at the live event. And I will have plenty O, as for all my Irish, Irish friends out there, plenty O listener feedback at the end of this episode. Enjoy. Mr. Gary K., we are going to get to the question and answer session. From the good folks that you were looking at here in the Zoom meeting, that will be a that will be a question and response answer. Uh, that won't be a question and an answer. I'll give a response. I won't necessarily call it an answer. The first question comes from Crystal S, and Crystal S is from the Green Bay, Wisconsin area. Oh, up there with the cheeseheads. Hello, Crystal. Crystal says, have you ever accidentally transferred drinking addictions to another NAA? And if so, what did you do to overcome that? Accidentally? <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> you know, this is just for me, folks. I'll hear people say things like, now I used to say it too because I was a parrot when I got here. And I would say, oh, I'm just as crazy over money and women and gambling as I am over alcohol. And my sponsor said, no, Gary, that's what an insanity. That was the intentional practice of your defects of character. So, no, I don't accidentally do anything. Uh, I set out and do those things on purpose, not as much as I used to. But I don't equate them with alcoholism because my alcoholism covers every area of my life. It can cover food. It can cover sex. It can cover money and all of that. And the way I deal with that is six and seven for me the first time around meant two things, my defects of character. First of all, I'm not one of those that wants a list of 50 different defects and I need to just name every little thing. For me, the defects of character are found in the fourth step. They're dishonesty, fear, self-centeredness, and selfishness. Those are the things that I'm looking for. Those are my mistakes that I have to, the patterns that I get into. But some of you may have been like me. I didn't have any morals when I got here. Now, I could have said I did. I could, you know, through the church and other things. But the reality is I didn't, I didn't know what morality was. I had one moral 
in my life prior to AA, and that was don't get caught. You can do anything you want to if you don't get caught. And so that ties into the secrets. And the way I found, I tell my guys and gals today, you want to do internet sex? You want to do internet gambling? We don't care. You can sleep with anybody you want to in AA. We don't care. Just don't keep it a secret. You want to sleep with somebody? Make sure it's okay with their wife or husband. You want to do the internet gambling or the internet sex? That's fine. We're not the judges of your character. Just put that computer on the kitchen table where your family can see what you're doing. Because the behaviors I'm doing aren't what's going to kill me. The having to hide my behaviors separates me from others again. And I get into that condition again while I'm in recovery that I was in before recovery. That word that's used the most in our literature to describe alcoholism. And that's loneliness. And the loneliness comes not from my behaviors, but from my hiding the behaviors. And that's why it's necessary for me to be transparent with my sponsor. So I'm not hiding anything. And I'm saying out loud what my plans are. And most of the time, I don't even need, I need nothing more. When I hear it out loud, it's like, oh, I'm not going to do that. But if you're serious about six and seven, just a suggestion. Don't go buying a lot of books that tell you about how to identify your defects of character. Anybody that's serious about six and seven is going to be doing a tenth step on a real regular basis. I'm not going to change myself on the basis of awareness. I'm going to be changed according to the actions I take. And if I'm doing that 10th step, that identifies the defects of character that I've acted out of to hurt someone that day or to do something stupid or silly that day. And when I go back and make amends for that, I start getting changed. The 10th step is vital to the defects of character becoming at least manageable in my life. I hope that helps. I hope it helps, uh, Crystal. Yeah, and it helped me. I really enjoyed hearing that. Now, this gentleman, you're probably going to recognize his name, Ricky R., who has been actually on the pod in the past. Ask, and Ricky is from Jacksonville, Texas, and he says, Gary, tell us about forgiveness. I don't see it in the big book. Well, first of all, I would suggest that if you get a chance, listen to Ricky. Uh, that's a great podcast he's got. And you want to listen to Ricky because Ricky's got one of the better sponsors in all of AA. Uh, <laughs> that's you, right? <laughs> <laughs> but quite honestly, Ricky got most of his program a long time before he met me. The reason that I don't use the word forgiveness very much is because that's an old religious term. And it's one of those terms that brings a lot of baggage with it. And Ricky's correct uh, in getting me to talk about that. The book doesn't say 
anything about us forgiving people. Now, that's strange. You'll hear people say in meetings, two phrases I hear a lot that I just want to pull my hair out. Well, you're not going to be able to forgive anybody until you learn how to forgive yourself. Now, where in the hell does that come from out of our program? The other one that I hear all the time is, well, you can't love somebody till you love yourself. You know, most of us like to love ourselves to death. Uh, Bill starts talking in the book very early about ex-problem drinkers. You know, our fellows say our very lives depend on our constant thought of others and how we can meet their needs. This is not a program of self-love. It's a program of getting out of self. And the forgiveness thing is, I'm taking too long on this, but I'll just tell you the story. I was almost six months sober. I got taken to the midwinter conference in Midland. If you're new there, notice I got taken. I didn't volunteer to do very much in that first six or seven months. But those suckers were always telling me, get in the car, and they were taking me places. And we went to the pre-conference meeting on Thursday night and a man named Bob Preston. And I didn't know Bob and I never got to know Bob. He had 30 something years then. I use his name because he's deceased now. But he got up at the podium and he said that night that he thanked God that through the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, he was able to live forgiven. And I had never heard it spoken that way before. And I didn't have a clue what Bob was talking about, but I knew it was important to find a way to live forgiven of what? Well, if you do a fourth and fifth step, you know what? The harm's done to others. All the opportunities that I had and threw away, all that stuff. And I'm not going to get any benefit of all in my life of going to my daddy, for instance, and saying, Daddy, I forgive you. That didn't do any good. But taking these steps and making the amends alters that relationship. I don't have to go look for forgiveness. I don't have to go give forgiveness. I take these steps and then practice these principles, and I get to live forgiven. Whether the other party wants to have a relationship with me or not is none of my business. I'm just trying to take care of my side of the street. And my sponsor told me, I'll tell this story again. It's one of my favorite. You know, my dad was alcoholic. I thought he was a bad guy and all that stuff. He was in a nursing home when I got here. And I blamed him for a lot of my life. And my sponsor had me go make amends to him. And then he told me, you go do something for your daddy. You change the words you call him. I had to quit calling him a sorry SOB. And I started calling him a still suffering alcoholic. And then I started calling him daddy. I found out people become what I called them over a period of time. But my sponsor had me do that. And he told me to go in and shave him do his toenails and put lotion on. I didn't want to do any of that stuff, but I did it. 
And, you know, after about five or six months, all of that enmity, all of that judgment between me and daddy was gone. And all I did was start speaking about him with words of love. And then I touched him and I did things for him that I didn't want to do. And my daddy never changed, but I got changed. If you look in your book, page 25, where it says there is a solution right in the middle of the page, he tells us what the solution is. We get a new attitude. It doesn't say we get new circumstances. It doesn't say those people are going to say, oh, my God, you're wonderful. I get a new attitude. And when I get a new attitude, I got a brand new world. And that that came out of inventory and listening to a sponsor. It didn't come out of me saying, I'm going to forgive myself so I can forgive them. It's about actions. It's not about verbiage in my experience. Thank you, Gary. The next question, well, this isn't really a question, but the gentleman put it in here. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, give you the comment and I'll put a question around it. Casey G from North Texas says, I have an idea of my higher power, but I struggle with my daily contact and understanding of my higher power. So I'll put it in a question form. What, Gary, would you say to the people who struggle with their daily contact and understanding of their higher power? I'd say if you've got a higher power you can't understand, good for you. Who in the hell wants one week to understand? Uh, <laughs> I don't. I do share with people. I've never met anybody in AA that has a God problem. I've never met in anybody at AA that didn't have a thinking about God problem. And there's a big difference there. That second step for me, Casey, is uh, is where the where the answer begins. That second step says came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. It doesn't say came to believe in. Nothing happens until step 12 as the result of then we have the spiritual awakening. So the program is not, you know, I never have had a sponsee write about step one or step two. We read the book together. We look at their experience and I'll, they're either powerless over alcohol or they're not. That's a yes or no question. I don't have to write about it. And that second step is a very simple question. Do you believe that alcohol is a power greater than you? Yes, I just said it. Do you believe that there's any power in the universe greater than alcohol? Well, yeah, good. You're on step three. Because as soon as a person believes or is willing to believe, they're on their way. So, you know, I, Casey, I haven't spent 30 seconds thinking about the nature of God in over 25 years. I don't have a clue. People say, what's your concept of God? I don't have a clue. 
I do these things and I pray and I give a lot of thanks to God. I don't ask him for nothing except uh, my prayer for other people and myself is God have your will in my son's life. Give my son the knowledge of your will for him and give my son the power to carry that out. I don't pray for give them this job or make them stop drinking or any of this. What more could I want for anybody that they might do, know and do God's will for their life? But the concept is, I know today about my relationship with God. I don't need to know. You know, I didn't know my mother. I had long conversations with my mother's best friends after she died. And I found out things about her I didn't have a clue about. And it came to me, if I didn't know my mother, how am I going to know God? What I knew with my mother is I knew my relationship with my mother. So I don't need to know anything about God. I need to know about my relationship with God. And your book's going to say it three times. See to it that your relationship with him is right. It doesn't say see to it that your understanding of him or your concept or on and on and on. How does an alcoholic gain and maintain a relationship with a higher power? Do these things. I mean, after all, the book says that's what it's all about. Is to have this awakening to a, a relationship with God. So I don't want one I can understand. I want one that's a little bit bigger than that. So Mark and Lisa, one of them, I'm assuming they are on the same uh, connection here. They say, you meet with your sponsor once a week for an hour. Do you both cover anything specifically or do you just chat? And does your sponsor have a sponsor? Uh, yes. And his sponsor has a sponsor. You know, I hear that in meetings. You want a sponsor that has a sponsor who has a sponsor and all that. I know a hell of a lot of people that are doing good jobs in AA that don't have a sponsor anymore. So I'm not going to be one of the legalistic people that says this is what you've got to have. I don't see how in the hell anybody can do this program without having someone to be accountable to and somebody that's going to be accountable to me by sharing their time and their truth with me. But yeah, you know, for years, uh, I have to, I have to do a written 10th step every week. And to tell you the truth, a lot of weeks, there ain't nothing on it. Some weeks there are. And every, every now and then he'll mess me up. And they're good at doing that. He'll say, uh, why don't you take those ninth step promises? And if they're not all alive and true in your life today, we need to talk about why. Or another time he might say, let's take those uh, bedevilments. If you've got any of those going on in your life this week, we need to inventory that and find out why. Because by now, those things ought to be gone as a constant torment. And most of the time, I mean, we're good friends, too. Uh, he'll just say, do you have any 
do we have any sponsor sponsee stuff we need to talk about? And he trusts me by now to be honest with him. If I tell him no, then we just start talking about other people or women or money or whatever people talk about. You know, we, if we are talking about other people, we're taking very kind inventories of them. We're not doing it in any vicious way. I'm trying to be funny there. <laughs> we just have a good talk. Usually we're talking about our gifts. I bet I've had 500 talks with, uh, with Steve. And they're the same talk. And he'll say, man, how fortunate we were to get dropped into AA where we got dropped in. And then we'll start remembering some of those people that were there. We'll talk about, you know, the Hal Loonies and the Rocky Bees. We'll talk about the hate. We'll just talk about those people that had such an impact on our life. And if they hadn't been there when I got there, then I wouldn't be here today. And then we'll start talking about things about our children and our lives, you know, and it's, my sponsor's got a son that hasn't talked to him in almost 30 years. Now, here are that newcomers. He's worked, quote, a good program. We get relationships back with people who are also willing, if you will, to work some kind of program and to be understanding. Not everybody is. But you know what? Steve probably has more photographs of my children and my granddaughter on his phone than I have. <laughs> because for 25 years, he's delighted in the influence he's had in my life and what's happened in my life with my children and my family has become a part of his story. That's the kind of stuff we talk about. The things that weren't going to happen unless we tried living this way. And the things that have happened that were the things we never even knew we wanted until after we had them. I didn't know that every good gift of life that was mine was something I didn't even. And that all has to do with people and relationships. Nothing to do with power, prestige, jobs, money, and stuff. You know, and there's just, uh, that's the kind of stuff we talk about most of the time. But the other reason I, I talk to him every week, because the book says intensive work with other alcoholics is what keeps us, that's the main defense against drinking. And so the poor old soul needs the help. So I talk to him every week just to help him out. <laughs> from crystal s again from uh, green bay wisconsin she says in a meeting we discussed how being bored is another manifestation of being selfish thoughts well certainly restless irritable and discontented i didn't identify with those i was bored and what i found out now crystal uh, this is not original to me, but I always love to get to say it because it was said to me. The reason anybody is bored is because they are boring. It's only boring people that get bored. Mm -hmm. Now, that hurt my little feelings when I first started. 
But after doing inventory for a while, I found out that I was always looking out there for something to excite me. You know, something to make life meaningful. And I never looked inside. But I'm going to tell you, in my experience, if you get a home group that's a three legacy group, and if you get led into service commitments, if you get led into working with other people, you're never going to get bored. And hopefully you're going to get a sponsor like I had that took me to that page, I think 19, very early, where he said the elimination of drinking is but the first step in recovery. A much more important demonstration of these principles lies before us in our respective homes workplaces and the world at large there is no way in hell i could be bored today when i'm doing everything i can to this program to try to be of service and help and participate in the life of my family when i was trying to take these principles into my workplace and whenever day i went to work i realized I'm an alcoholic that doesn't even deserve to have a job. I was unemployable when I got here. The very fact that I can go in and make a living today, I need to thank God for that by trying to be the very best employee I can be, being the best dad I can be, being the best brother I can be, being the best whatever I can be. It's not about what they do. It's about what I do. That's the role I'm here to play today. And when I do that, I guarantee it's not boring. If I'm getting bored, uh, I guess that would be self-centered. But that's why I'm glad I had AA given to me out of that book. You know, an answer to your question might be this. I'll hear it said in meeting. You have to do this program for yourself. You ever hear that? Mm-hmm. And I say, that's a lie. That's not out of the big book. I have to do it myself, but I do it for others. I'd done enough for me before I got here. I'm doing this for my children. I'm doing this for the people in my community. I'm doing it for people that were already dead by the time I got here. I didn't realize that I was doing recovery for my granddaughter. And I had nine years of recovery before she was even born. I was doing that for her. It puts me in. We're getting close to Christmas. And we all need to be reminded. Nobody in our life wants our presence. The things we can give them. They want our presence of us being able to just be there. To be with them as we are doing for them rather than demanding that things be done for me. And it's a great paradox. The more you do for others, the more you get for yourself. I don't know how that happens, but it happens. And the busier I am in AA, the more time I've had for my children and my family. I don't know how that happens, but it, it happens. Me neither, Gary. I understand. Mark and Lisa write in again. I'm assuming one was the first question and one is the other. But nonetheless, it says, what was your bottom? Why then and not so many other bad moments before? I've been asked that as 
well in the program? Yeah, I don't have a clue. Uh, when I first got here and I heard people in the rooms talking about their bottoms and they talked about a bad car wreck or getting arrested or divorce, and I'm sitting there thinking, none of that happened to me last Sunday. You know, uh, then I got in the book, got in the book. I found mine right there in Bill's story. And he says at one case or one time in his story, I think it's on page six. I'm not sure. The mind and body are marvelous mechanisms for mine endured this for two more years. And I read that and I thought I didn't have a bottle. I got used to mine on the way down. And that line in there where he says our lives had become the only normal one. I was living in a way in my 40s that would have made me vomit in my 20s. And by the time I was in my 40s, it was just a normal life. And the reason you and I miss it very often is I didn't get a chance to say this tonight uh, earlier. There's a word I try to get people to get out of their vocabulary in meetings of AA, and that word is denial. Got no For me, it's got no place in our program. The big book's got a much stronger word called delusion. We were crazy as hell, folks. Delusion is a word used for people with mental illnesses who believe their stuff. And as alcoholics, we were in delusion. We believed our stuff. It's not that bad. I can quit anytime I want to. I'm not hurting anybody but myself. I'd be okay if you just get off my case and leave me alone. And we tend to believe what we're telling ourselves because we're living in delusion. And I had what I believe every one of you have had, and maybe you haven't had a chance to talk about it with somebody yet, but I had one of those moments of clarity. Where in just a quick moment, it's like I got to see myself for who and what I really was, and the delusion bubble was burst. My bottom in answer to your question wasn't that something bad happened. My bottom was that everything was just always the same. A Tuesday in August was the same as Christmas. There were no more ups and downs. I knew what life was going to be when I came to every morning. I could take the bad times. I just couldn't stand it when it was just always the same. David G. from Frisco writes in, and that is the same David G. that has been on Sober Speak many times over. But, but David says, as a therapist that is sober, do you see people in recovery benefiting from trauma therapy like EMDR? Uh, are you supportive of rec recommending those types of therapies for recover recovered members that still struggle emotionally? Now, do you know what e I don't know what EMDR is, but I was EMDR certified as a therapist. My answer to the question is: I don't have any problem if people do it or don't do it. I don't recommend it, or I don't not recommend it. My job is a sponsor is to take people through these steps out of the big book. And 
if they're going to make decisions later on to do counseling or therapy in one way, that's none of my business. My business is to make certain they're staying with 10 and 11, sharing with them what we do. Uh, so that I understand what David's saying. And I just feel like any response I give might get heard in, in 80 different ways. You know, it's a, uh, the book says uh, towards the end of the program that about matters of health and things like that, we can now go to these uh, professional people and be honest with them. What I am opposed to is somebody wanting to do therapy before they do recovery. You know, I've sponsored a number of, of legitimately bipolar people. And what I tell them in the very beginning, you've got a psychiatrist and you've got medication for your bipolar. It's not going to do a damn thing for your alcoholism. I'm going to introduce you to a recovery for your alcoholism. Go to your psychiatrist for your recovery from, from the other things, not me. But don't use any other illness as an excuse not to do our recovery. Understood. Jim S. writes in, he says, how do we stay connected and transparent with only Zoom meetings? Gosh, how can you not? You know, we've still got... The last time I noticed, nobody took away the telephones. Uh, Zoom has also given the opportunity for us to do a lot of one-on-one -on -one FaceTime with people. It doesn't all have to be with the whole group. I've just discovered that in, in AA, we don't look for problems or reasons to not do recovery. We look for opportunities to be living out our recovery, and this is that opportunity. Quite honestly, I've got a Zoom home group, and it's some of the best AA I've been a part of in the last 20 years. I love it. Uh, the meetings really were a lot more effective meetings than most of the brick-and-mortar meetings that I was going to. And I've made some really wonderful friends. I haven't hugged their necks yet, but we talk on the phone. We correspond. You know, it's about, it's about the simple thing that we we get in our book of remembering that Bill Wilson went looking for Dr. Bob. Dr. Bob didn't go looking for Bill. And if you get on one of these Zoom meetings, nearly all of them are going to give us the opportunity to ask the questions of who's new. And then we can chat with them or we can talk to them. We can get phone numbers. I'm sponsoring people that I've never given a hug to yet, but they're doing fantastic with their steps. And with reaching out to other people. So, no, I think we've been richly blessed. This is not, oh, my God, I'll wait till this is all over before I start. You know, today's the day we've got. May you find him now. It doesn't say we got a bunch of excuses for doing that. I haven't been to a brick-and-mortar meeting uh, since March. And I'm not going to another one until about three weeks after I've had my vaccination. And a big part of that is because I don't want to die. And a bigger part of that is that I believe I need to be of service, but not taking this possibly to somebody else. So I don't want to be a part of having a big gathering where it might suddenly become a COVID cluster. Those Zooms worked real well for me. 
Sean D. from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania writes in, he says, in your opinion, is there a set amount of time to take on each step as you work through them with a sponsor? No. I, I kind of go with what the doctor's opinion says. That people need to be befogged, you know, detoxed, if you will. And whether they've come in out of the treatment or a hospital or off the streets, uh, you know, that might take 10 or 12 days uh, to get. And the way my sponsor did with me is we met together twice a week, started with the blank page, and we read it out loud together. And he told me early on, he said, I don't care if you can remember the first word of the sentence when you get to the last word of the sentence. It's not about remembering it. It's about doing it. And I had no idea, but it took us. If I'd known I was going to be speaking later on, I'd have kept a better calendar when I was new. I'm thinking it was about the fourth week. When uh, we were there at 63, and he said, are you ready to do your third step? Well, I thought he was just talking in general. So I said, yes, and we got on the floor and did the third step. And all I remember the first time is I was very embarrassed. My knees hurt, and I was scared to death somebody was going to walk in the room and see me kneeling on the floor with a couple other guys hugging. <laughs> And I got up as quick as I could, and I found out later the God of my understanding takes my actions a hell of a lot more seriously than I do. My sponsor, now this is the response to the question. My sponsor knew how sick I was. I didn't. My sponsor knew what the recovery for alcoholism was. I didn't. He was not waiting for me to tell him that I was ready. He knew that I was a dying man and that I'm in AA by such a slim thread. We all come in here, just we just barely get here. And he knew he needed to take me into recovery so that thread could start getting woven into a little stronger rope. And we immediately, I went over to his house the next week. He laid out pen and paper. We had read over the fourth step and he showed me the columns again and said, I'm going to town. I'll be back in about three hours. We'll do your fifth step. Now, I've been to enough meetings to know that wasn't right. <laughs> but my sponsor didn't know that that wasn't right. And we did my fifth step and he had me do six and seven like it said out of the book. The next Tuesday night, we got together and did the eighth step. And he made some three by five cards, and he gave me three amends to make that week. And the next week, I had three. And the next week, I had three because we were taking it out of the book. And I've never, I've never, I've never met anybody that got in trouble by doing it too quick. But I met a hell of a lot of people that get in a lot of trouble by waiting until they know what they're doing or until they understand it. And again, where we started with this thing, recovery is not understood. It is experienced. And he told me, we're giving you a set of tools. This first time through, you're learning how to use the tool of inventory. We don't expect you to be a master mechanic with it. 
I'm going to show you how to use it. You're going to be using the same tool for the rest of your recovery. You'll get better with it as you go along. But you've got to have the first introduction to the tool. See that again on page 25. The spiritual toolkit that's laid at our feet. Simple tools. Prayer. We being a part of a group of recovery. Inventory. More prayer. Sharing with somebody, more prayer, making an amends list, doing the amends, go help somebody else. And that's about all the tools that are in that toolkit. And we use the same simple tools over and over again. And as we go through life, we just get more familiar with using them. I don't have a different solution today than I had 26 years ago. I can just recognize the problem a little quicker and get into the solution a little quicker. But it's the same solution that almost none of us like. The self-searching, the leveling of the pride, and doing something to, about those defects of character, which the process requires. And it never changes. Ken T. writes in from Sterling Heights, Michigan, and he says, uh, I am eight months and two weeks sober. Congratulations, Ken. You bet. He says, I have had a hard time finding a sponsor with the restrictions on in-person meetings. What do you recommend? Well, I, I guess I would recommend get you a list of about eight or ten of these Zoom meetings. Spend a weekend going to them, figure out which one seems to be a solution-based, big book-based meeting. Let them know that you're new and without a sponsor. And if it's a real big book meeting, one of them's going to approach you right away asking to help you do those steps. Or you can approach them. But yeah, they're easy to find. Hell, you got a whole world full of them. You know, in the pre-COVID days, I would not sponsor a newcomer that I could not physically be in a meeting with each week. Well, I'm sponsoring newcomers now that live 2,000 miles away. And I can be in five meetings a day with them if we both want to. And we're living that boring a life. <laughs> no, it's just you just ask somebody. Get on a meeting and ask them. Hell, send me an email. I'll, I'll, I'll hook you up. I know people all over the country, so I'll hook you up with somebody. Hey, Ken, I can get you Gary Kay's information if you need it. So, um, well, Gary, I think we have reached the end of our questions. Anything that you want to say to wrap up our time here on Sober Speak Live and address the people that maybe weren't here and are going to be hearing this uh, in all four corners of the world when we release it as an episode? Uh, two things. Please. Alcoholism is an illness. It's not a weakness. It's not low willpower. It's not a sin. They let me know until I got sick, I was not going to get well. This is an illness for which there is a recovery. But it is not a competition illness. 
we're not in here to decide who the worst is or the best is. You know, it's like Chuck Chamberlain would say, a woman's no more pregnant at nine months than she is at nine minutes. It just shows more. <laughs> you know, if you're an alcoholic, you're an alcoholic. You don't have to compete with anybody. And it is not a competition recovery. We're not in here to figure out who's doing it right or who's doing it best. You know, we're just trying to do it together out of that book. You know, so get sick and you can get well. But remember, I got drunk and we get sober. So find you somebody to share with and you can't go wrong. You know, give it a try. I, all the pressure is on God. None of it's on us. We're going to be goofy. We're going to make all kinds of mistakes. But every gift that God had to give us was given to us before the world ever began. Every good gift that he's got in mind for you and I is already there. We don't create it. We discover it. It's always been there, and we discover it by becoming rid of the stuff in us, like the hatred or the anger or the fear or the resentment or the self-pity, I tell this is the last thing. I would hear people saying, all you need is more God. And that used to drive me nuts. Hell, I tried that. I went to a wonderful seminary. I, I was a franchisee for 14 years, my God. And say, you need more God. And I got into the third step of our book. And right there, it says, I've never, ever needed more God. I've always needed less me. If I can find some way to get me out of the way, nothing's left but God. So we've got a program of action designed to relieve me of the bondage of self. Not release. It's relief. And we get it a day at a time, but walking this path together. And you don't need more God. I just need less me. And y'all have helped me to find a way to do that. And I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Gary. I so appreciate that. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to close it up here with a little reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and then we're going to open it up and let people uh, say hello and interact with you and with each other. And all right, page 164 from the big book, it says, abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us, like me and Gary Kay and the rest of the folks here on this meeting. As you trudge the road of this happy destiny, may God bless you and keep you until then. Once again, Gary Kay, thank you so, oh, so thank much. Thank you both for having me. God bless you all. Thank you. You, Mr. Gary Kay, it is always a treat when we are able to get together. And thank you so much for sharing all your value bombs with the Sober Speak uh, listening audience. I sure do appreciate it. And now on to a little bit of uh, listener feedback for you. Oh, and as a reminder, we do not want you sharing your gossip. 
But we would love for you to share that episode you just listened to if it was impactful for you with a friend or a family member. It may be just what they need today. Ashley Lara writes in. Ashley Lara, Ashley Lara. I would imagine L-A-R-A is Lara, but who knows? Anyway, Ashley writes in. She says, hi, John. I reached out to you via Instagram a few weeks ago, and at that point, I had not yet joined an AA group. Shortly after, I had reached out to you to thank you for the podcast. I listened to Megan P's episode. And by the way, just in case you're thinking to yourself, self, did I hear John mention Megan P on this episode already? Well, yes, that is the same Megan P that is doing the um, recovery yoga that I mentioned on the beginning of this episode, which you can find in the Super Secret Facebook group. Nonetheless, um, Ashley, Ashley Laura says, listening to what she said and listening to her speak of her experience as an alcoholic really resonated with me, and I knew I was ready to join an AA group. That is absolutely fantastic, Ashley. I have since joined a home group. I have a sponsor and I have begun the step study. I am now going on two months of sobriety as of the 14th, which is Thursday. I also continue to go to therapy for my alcoholism. I listen to the podcast at work on my way to and fro work and in the evenings after I've gotten the kids settled, etc., There isn't one person who has been a guest on the podcast who I don't relate to in some form or fashion. And their stories give me, give me immense amounts of hope that I can have a, that I can live a meaningful, sober life by the grace of God. I can't tell you how thankful I am for the guest transparency and their willingness to share their experience on the podcast. The shame I have felt over things I had done or didn't do when I was actively drinking over the past 10 years has been really hard for me to bear. And it makes it more bearable for me to know I am not alone. No, you are not alone. You are not alone, Ashley Laura. I thank you for all you do. God bless you, Ashley Lara. Well, God bless you, Ashley. That that was just fantastic to hear that. I'm glad you got to hear Megan's episode, and I'm glad you are able to resonate with all the various speakers. That's why we do this, right? To let folks know that they are not alone out there. Believe me, there are millions of us, but sometimes we think we're all alone. Thank you so much for writing in. Hillary writes in, and I got a feeling this is not Hillary Clinton. I'm just, I don't know. I don't think she would write me. But nonetheless, she says, John, thank you for the invite to the Facebook group. I live in sunny San Diego, California. I got sober on May 22nd, 2020, just 
as the pandemic hit. Oh my goodness. She said, I found podcasting by searching, quote, do you think you're an alcoholic, unquote. <laughs> but she got a lot of hits there. She says, I joined the Cafe RE podcast group on Facebook and have loved the new pathway to sobriety beyond the rooms of AA. Through that group, someone mentioned Sober Speak. I gave a listen and instantly was hooked on the up-to-date current shares of each person. I really like how you connect and bring us all in with your fun voice. Well, thank you. I guess I have a fun voice. I've never really thought about that before. I find myself chanting, quote, take what you want and and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm almost, I feel kind of sorry for you, Hillary, that that goes around your brain there. But anyway, she says, I actually say it just like you do. <laughs> I'm sorry. That one cracks me up. She says, my favorite episode by far, uh, so, oh, so far has been episode number 165, Pete F., Pat practical sobriety. I totally relate to that experience. I am also in Al-Anon and believe these two programs are one and the same on this path to recovery. Can you recommend any Zoom meetings? Maybe I can join along and share my experience, strength, and hope there further. Meantime, thank you so much for the wealth of wisdom and care that you are putting into this community. I think someone mentioned that you will never know how much you are doing this side of heaven until we get there and celebrate our final freedom with Jesus in eternity with him. God bless you and your family and all our friends of Bill W. Hillary C. Oh, well, Hillary. Oh, wait a second. Hillary C. Maybe... (laughs) Maybe that is Hillary Clinton. <laughs> I'm just doubting it, but you never can tell. Anyway, um, thank you so much, Hillary C. God bless you. That was so sweet. I really, really do appreciate that. Oh, and she said, and by the way, I replied to her and said, in terms of Zoom meetings, if you're in the secret Facebook group, there are tons, tons of Zoom meetings posted in there. Um, and I know that there, there are even guides within the Facebook group that tell you how to find all these various uh, Zoom meetings. And, um, and what you, you literally could be on a Zoom meeting 24 hours a day if you wanted. So you just got to search within there and maybe somebody in the group will repost, repost some of those directions soon. Just, just, in fact, if you're in there, just say, hey, does anybody have any recommendations on Zoom meetings I can join? And I bet you get all kinds of responses. Norma writes in, she said, wait a second, this is not right. Uh, I, I, I say Norma, but it says, my name is Jane 
D. I'm an alcoholic sober since 1994. Excuse me, folks. It's either Norma or Jane D, one of the two, or Jane D goes by Norma. I don't know. She says, I'm a grateful member of Al-Anon since approximately 2004. I'm a compulsive overeater and I am a food addict. I have been a member of OA since 2013. Just after Christmas, I had an OA relapse. It terrified me. I became frantic to get recovery active. I looked for your podcast and Sober Speak intrigued me. My favorite podcast was the first one I heard with you. You were talking to an MMA fighter, mixed martial arts fighter. Man, I'm sorry. I can't remember who that was. But nonetheless, she said the conversation was so natural. The comments on sobriety were so natural and were not preachy. I'm 73 years old and your podcast was my first. Thanks for your program. And then she has uh, the a couple of... Uh, uh, what do you call them? Emojis? <laughs> yeah, emojis with the praying hands. Well, first of all, you know, God bless you, Jane. I am so impressed that you at 73 reached out and found a podcast. And by the way, I'm very flattered to be your first podcast. And you also use emojis. It's <laughs> fantastic. God bless you. And thanks for listening. I sure do appreciate it. Caitlin writes in and she says, Hi, John. I joined Al-Anon this summer, started with Spencer's podcast, and she's talking about my friend Spencer, who does The Recovery Show. She said, I started with Spencer's podcast, which gave me good insight to Al-Anon and was blessed that I found uh, meetings online. I think that totally helped me get started, as I'm not sure I would ever have been able to walk into a meeting in person. However, now I am ready and eager to find my own home group in my area. I am from Massachusetts. Well, I've got a feeling they've got a few Al-Anon meetings in Massachusetts there, Miss Caitlin. She says, the most recent speakers I've listened to were Angie B., who's in Al-Anon, uh, uh, October, 20, October 2nd, 2020, and Jill M., December 27th of 2019. And she's listening out, I believe, the date that the episodes were released. But she says, I do listen to the AA speakers as well. Helps me to understand and have more compassion. Thank you for letting me join your community. I'm so grateful for the service work you do best, Caitlin. Well, Miss Caitlin, we are all in this together. God bless you, Miss Caitlin, and good luck in your journey. John writes in, not me, John. Nope, I'm not writing to myself, but he says, hey, John, thanks for look. Oh, this is a gentleman who wrote in and he wanted to join the Facebook group. And he had in his signature line, all these various restaurants listed out. And I went ahead and looked them up. Uh, and when I replied back to him, he said, 
Thanks for looking up the restaurants. I was attracted to the bar slash restaurant industry like a mosquito to a bug zapper. (laughs) I get that, John. I was in the restaurant industry for many years myself. I completely get it. He says, I'm coming up on six years in recovery. I live in Detroit proper and have lived in the area for my entire life. Sobriety gave me the, by the way, I'm so bummed, uh, John, and I'm sure you are too, that the International Convention did not get to come there this year because of COVID, but nonetheless, hopefully it'll make it back around pretty soon. He says, I am living in Detroit. Sobriety gave me the life that I always thought I should be living. Service, community, true intimate relationships, purpose. It was the way I thought I was living my life. I thought I had all these things, but could not have been more wrong. I am now grateful to be able to live the life I intended to live, but could never quite achieve while I was drinking. I was in and out of meetings in my 20s. I racked up about 18 months dry as a dock in in a drought. (laughs) It was ugly. I get it there. Eventually, after having moved to Detroit, having a business of my own and getting my heart broken, I could no longer take the pain. And that usually what gets us in, my friend. I get it. It was either the meetings or, quote, the great beyond. Thankfully, I chose the former. I got to my, quote, first meeting in Detroit, found a sponsor with a little nudge from a seasoned AA, worked all 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, and currently sponsor other men in the program. I bet they get, I wonder if they get to eat at his restaurant. Wouldn't that be cool? Everybody'd be like, John, will you sponsor me? Uh, can I, uh, can I uh, uh, eat in your restaurant? But anyway, he says, I found your pod after, t- oh, he's hip. He says pod, like me. Uh, after taking a few trips into the thumb in Michigan. And just in case you're not from the United States or you haven't talked to people very much from Michigan, what he's talking about is when they describe Michigan and how it looks, they hold the people from Michigan hold up their hand and they say, look, I'm from this part of Michigan. Like it's either the thumb or the, the center of the hand or it's like the pinky or whatever because Michigan basically looks like a hand, uh, the geography of it and how it's laid out. But anyway, just a little Michigan uh, uh, talk there. Anyway, he says, I was I was uh, a few trips to the Thumb in Michigan. I was driving a lot and I was listening to Joe and Charlie tapes. Joe and Charlie are great if, if y'all haven't heard that before. He says, I eventually started to listen to search the quote, sober on Spotify, Spotify, and I landed on your podcast. Pretty sure I searched your most listened to episodes and landed on Brian P. He was talking about how much he really loves Brian P. Anyway, he says, thank you for your service, John. I listen attentively and your podcast always gets me back on my square if I should ever feel off. Thank you, John K. Well, John K., if I ever get up to Michigan and I'm traveling about 
and I'm coming back from the thumb of Michigan, I may look you up and ask if I can come by and eat at one of your restaurants. No, I'm not asking for free food. I'm just, I would love to meet you eyeball to eyeball there in Detroit proper. All right, everybody. That is another week, another episode in the books for Sober Speak. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. I will most likely be back next week. I take this as you know. Well, if you're not a new listener, you don't know. But I take this one week at a time. God bless you. Love you guys.